This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 58 Savior, Imposter, or Superhero? Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey there, welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here with the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with a rather interesting session, a little different content than what I've been sharing before. And I tell you up front, this is something that in one part was requested inside of the business group that I run for Hypnotic Business Mastery, though it's one that I also wanted to expand upon because there's not just one issue to address. It's going to be a solo session today. And in many ways, I'll make it rather personal with some strongly held opinions, as well as some really personal challenges that I've overcome in the last several years. And let me give you a bit of an overview first of the content, the themes I'm going to be addressing here. And then from there, we're going to begin to unpack it. And on top of that, to give you some actionable strategies, things you can actually make use of to further overcome these issues as well. So First of all, an overview, some definitions. I'm going to be referring to some mental challenges, some admittedly self-limiting beliefs that either you or anybody in an entrepreneurial position may have had to overcome at some point. So first, the overview. We're going to label them as syndromes, and actually, these are common themes that are out there, though the last one is going to be very specific, and I'll give some specific references and recommendations towards the last one. So these concepts of, first of all, savior syndrome, which would be this set of beliefs, this set of ideas that because you are helping your clients, it's somehow bad to be charging for it or even earning a worthwhile income by doing so. So that's savior syndrome. And again, we'll unpack these as we move forward. The next would be imposter syndrome, which this is perhaps one of the most interesting ones, at least to me that a person that even as they achieve a certain level of success would then begin to doubt their validity in the profession, would begin to, to doubt their skill of what they can actually do as if they're perceiving themselves as an imposter, even though they've achieved some really awesome things. Again, we'll unpack that later. And the third one would be that of superhero syndrome, which would be the position that no one else can do it as good as me. So Superman is the only one who can stop the train. Superman is the only one who can fly through the air. And to go throughout the applications of your process helping your clients, your process doing shows perhaps if you're a stage hypnotist, or more specifically the themes I'll be addressing is that of your business and the things that maybe you are the one standing in the way stifling your own success. So take this brief moment now and consider If there's parts of your own personal life, parts of your own career that you've been positioning yourself to either be that savior that I'm helping so I shouldn't be compensated for this time, perhaps being an imposter or even a superhero. And admittedly, even if you have just the slightest sliver of these syndromes, as we'll call them here, you'll start to recognize as you listen to this content here and take action on some of the steps that I'll share with you, it's something that by overcoming these, it just really sets you up for outstanding success, not just for you, but also for your clients, your customers as well. So let's jump into the content here. First of all, let's spend some time with Savior Syndrome. 
And I'd give you some personal notes. In fact, I'll make them all quite personal so you can learn from the challenges that I've gone through over the years. Challenges, setbacks, mild inconveniences, and just outright calling myself out of my own BS moments, to say it politely. I go to various hypnosis conventions, and oftentimes I'm there presenting workshops either on business or hypnotic techniques. And also, very often, I'm there with an exhibit table as well, offering the products and services that I've got out there. And what I'd mention is that I put it in this perspective, and I say this without ego, there are people who will dismiss some of the content that I put out there, whether it's business or business training products. And I'm very comfortable making the statement that the majority of people who dismiss that content, whether it's mine or whether it's someone else's, would very likely be the people who actually need that content the most. And I'm very comfortable making that statement because oftentimes it's that mindset of, and I don't want to go to the place that money is a bad thing, though sometimes that is an issue to overcome. That because I am helping my clients, you know, you've probably heard me tell this story before that everything that I do nowadays actually was motivated by this one person who I met at a convention who actually looked at me and said, it must be so nice that you have that hobby of working on your website. I'm more interested in helping my clients. And it really was said in that, and I'll say it, arrogant mindset. And it wasn't really true at all because I am very passionate about helping my clients. I truly want to see my clients coming into my Virginia hypnosis office and see them succeed. But at the same time, I don't want to position myself only as that savior Because otherwise, I can't sustain the work that I'm doing. When I'm in session with my client and the rent is paid for, the money is in the savings account for the mortgage, and my kid's preschool is paid for, and the fridge is full of groceries, I'm in a much better position to help my client. Also, on top of that, when I'm able to reinvest in my own skills, that's what makes me even better of a practitioner. So even here's an upcoming convention, two of them that I'm speaking at, and already I'm looking around to see who else is presenting and what do I want to attend myself, you know? So my table, my exhibit table at a convention admittedly is probably a lot more unmanned and empty than it should be. And that's because I'm at that convention because also I want to be there as well. I'm about to jump into a plane in a couple of weeks and head out to a online marketing convention that's happening out in the West Coast. And these things that I do that further advance the skills, the abilities that I have. And I tell you about those things because that's what allows me to do my work even better. That's what allows me to grow inside of what I do. So I'd encourage this thinking. If you've ever found these moments where Savior Syndrome is kicking into gear, start to recognize that by earning an income, By investing in yourself, that's what allows you to grow in terms of what you do. So I would sit here and tell you right now, you owe it to yourself to start charging for what you do. You owe it to your clients to charge a fee for what you do. Now, this does kind of bring us into the very personal category of fees and pricing, And admittedly, this is one that's going to vary based on several criteria. I was just reshooting some content for Hypnotic Business Mastery, my business training program, talking all about pricing. And just as a reference point, I'd mentioned that the office that I'm sitting in right now, it's a 1,200 square foot office space. 
the rent, including utilities of power and internet, is basically about $2,000 a month, which is not an investment that most people should be making in hypnosis. It's not. Not everybody needs a training room. Not everybody needs... My extra room used to be a practitioner room when I had additional staff. Now it's a production room for shooting videos and content and products. And there's a storage room that is oftentimes a flexible space as well, a full lobby. That way when I've got classes, I've got room for everybody. I've got parking as well. Not everybody needs that amount of space. And definitely not everybody should be investing that much money in a physical location. Though I can reference some students of mine that rented a very, very similar office space in another area, and they're paying only $700 for it. But location, 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 as the real estate world would say. I'm in Alexandria, Virginia, and even though I'm in a more rural, suburban part of Alexandria, I'm not in Alexandria City anymore. I used to be paying that amount of rent for a single-room office, practically. So it's where, because of that space, I'm able to make the investment to grow in the profession and bring on more students, more clients, and just really grow. But I mentioned that here in this category of savior syndrome, because again, it's a place where I was able to invest in my business. I moved my office out of Alexandria, Virginia several years ago, Alexandria City, that way I could actually have a classroom. So that's just one specific example. But it's the same conversation as going to conventions, taking trainings, getting certifications. And if you go back to the Chris Jones podcast session that I did a couple of weeks ago, that was one where I actually told the story of going back and taking a class I had taken before to relearn how much I had forgotten over the years and refresh some of the information I had learned. So it's a place where by overcoming savior syndrome, It really allows us to grow in our profession. Otherwise, we may become stagnant. We just keep doing the same old stuff. So again, it's not just for your own benefit. Because I would openly say, I have become a better hypnotist working with my clients the more that I teach as well. It completely short circuits that whole old statement about those who can't teach. No, those who teach absolutely can So some thoughts to consider if savior syndrome is something that you've possibly considered, possibly run into. I would encourage you to set some bigger goals, challenge yourself, and also from there begin to track what are those things that need to happen to make those things occur. So as I charge a respectable fee for seeing clients, that's what allows me, I'm sitting here at my office and this is time that I'm spending with you the listener of the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, as opposed to working just in my business, seeing clients, which is absolutely valid. It's absolutely wonderful. And in about an hour or so, a client's going to be coming in, a couple of them a day. So by spending that time on your business rather than just in your business, by overcoming savior syndrome, it allows me to charge a fee for my process that is respectable. Now, pricing, I brought up that theme a few moments ago. It's a very personal issue. It's going to vary based on geographics. It's also going to vary based on your experience level as well. So there are specific pieces of criteria that I have about me that many people in my local market don't. And that's what bases my pricing. I've also been very open over the years that I've only ever raised my rates when my schedule was full several weeks in advance. So I'll give you a bit of an action step 
which actually we'll come back to in a few moments. But if you head over to actually virginiahypnosis.com, and I'm actually loading that myself right here. I'm just walking through it myself. On the top navigation bar, the black bar at the top of the screen, and if you look at the learn more pull down, there's a little thing called five questions to ask your hypnotist. If you go to that page, it's an interesting exercise to do this for yourself, to come up with what is the specific criteria about you that is every reason why you are qualified to be seeing your clients. And we're going to come back to this again in the next bullet point of this session today and answer these questions. Now, of course, my questions are ones that are about me and my business, but to modify them for you, it's actually an exercise, I'd tell you, to do this properly, you could actually build up your own credibility in a very ethical way very quickly. So the ones that I've got, is your hypnotist trained and certified? Are they respected in their community, in their field? You know, do they do their own sessions? Do they offer a consultation? So by looking at that, these are things that really validate where you are within your career. Now, obviously, it's a place that if there are things that need attention, go back and do them. So it's why as much as I talk about business, I also talk about getting better skills at what you do. Learn from people who disagree with each other, as Michael Elner would say. So these themes will all come back together. So savior syndrome, are you holding yourself back in terms of your own success because you're helping people. And the truth is, by helping people and letting that also help you, it's going to position you to help your clients even better. A quick story. It's a client of mine that I worked with. I'll generalize the story for obvious reasons. This is a woman that has two adult sons that both suffer from a muscular disorder. And both adult sons are at home, and here she is taking care of them which admittedly, these two sons are rather talented in what they do. Because they're bound to wheelchairs, they're also not fully incapacitated. So they do a lot of work online. They do a lot of technical work with websites and programming and that sort of thing. And admittedly, there was one time that I I called this past client up to go, hey, put one of your boys on the phone. I need to talk to them about something. And I hired them for something at one point when something went wrong on my websites and I needed instant gratification to fix it. This woman was here for weight loss, and there was a moment where she started to tear up because suddenly she was realizing, I'm doing something rather greedy. I'm working on myself. And understand, she would care for her two sons with a big smile on her face. She loved every moment of it. Though through our process of hypnosis, shifting that belief structure that by getting healthier, by specifically growing stronger, she could actually care for her family even better. So by shifting that mindset, if we did not hit that big, big bullet point in her process, I don't think she would have made the changes that she did. So by overcoming that, by breaking out of that savior syndrome mindset, by doing something for herself, it actually empowered her to care for her family even better because she was getting healthier, because she was getting stronger, she can now care for these boys even better. So consider that for yourself. By improving yourself, by investing in yourself, by putting value to what you do, you actually help your clients even more. We'll probably come back to some themes on Savior Syndrome, but let's move on to the second point of this session today. Imposter Syndrome. Imposter syndrome is actually something, and I've pulled up some history, it is a term that was coined in 1978 
by a clinical psychologist, two of them, and I may butcher the names, Dr. Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, or Imes, I-M-E-S. And yes, of course, I'm referencing Wikipedia here. Referencing high-achieving individuals marked by the inability to internalize their accomplishments. There's a very interesting podcast session that I'd really encourage you to listen to. It's fascinating. It is dark, it is funny, and it is sort of surreal to listen to. And if I can really share a point in history, it's a moment where podcasting as a genre really took off. It's Mark Maron, comedian, now actor as well, and he, podcaster too, he does the WTF podcast, and it was a big deal. Think about this time last year. He records his podcast in what he refers to as the Cat Garage. I think I got that right. He records it in his garage, and it was a massive deal that President Barack Obama traveled to Mark Maron's garage to actually record a podcast one-on-one with this comedian. And if you haven't heard that one, go listen to it. It's rather fascinating. Mark Maron was trying to get his podcast off the ground and reaching out to people that he knew and basically found a position where the backstory was, I need to get a big name. I need to get someone famous that everyone's going to go, wow, he got this person. And it's a moment where he travels to, I think it's a suburb of San Francisco, and he sits down one-on-one, this is dating back several years now, of course, with Robin Williams. And I think it's about an hour and a half long, and I'll link to it over in the show notes. It's this hour and a half recording of him and Robin Williams, and Robin Williams is not playing the Robin Williams character. They're just two people sitting there talking. And this is where it gets kind of dark. There's only one classic Robin Williams riff at the end of the recording, where he suddenly goes off on this bit of a rant about internal dialogue. And sadly, it is talking about suicide, which unfortunately is how Robin Williams' life ended up way too early. Though inside of this recording, there's this amazing statement that's shared where Mark Merritt is interviewing him and simply asks him, you know, what was it like when you won the Oscar? Because Robin Williams won an Oscar for a movie several years ago, the name of which is escaping me now, of course, as I've got my notes in front of me. But it's that moment where what was it like when you won the Oscar? And I loved Robin Williams' response to this, which was, it was a massive deal that day. It was a massive change in my life that day. But then the next day I was at a grocery store and across the store, someone yells, hey, do Mork, referencing back to a TV show he was on the 1970s. I came originally from a artistic background. I was working in professional theater. I was more on the management side. I wasn't acting, directing, or designing. Again, it was my job to make all the creative people get along. And This is something you would absolutely run into in any sort of creative community, that the joke would be you stand up in the rehearsal hall and you yell, okay, all the phonies, you've been figured out, you have to go home now, and you would clear the room. Though it's interesting to hear even from other professions. I had a lawyer actually bring this up at one point, and even she said that you go to a courtroom and you stand up on the judge's bench and yell, okay, all the phonies, you have to go home now, and she goes, you would clear the entire room. So imposter syndrome, it's referring to high-achieving people who don't have the ability to internalize their accomplishments. And specifically, it's this persistent fear of being called out as being a fraud. So looking at it from that perspective, it's something that even as we grow in what we do, 
even as we grow in what we achieve, Goodwill Hunting, that's the name of the movie, even as we grow in what we achieve, it's this moment where other people are recognizing our success and perhaps we aren't. And I tell you right now, it's one that anybody who's had any level of success would have just slightest inklings of, slightest challengings of, where maybe we have this moment where we're doubting our skill in helping our clients. Maybe it's our doubt in terms of, you know, I talk to people and a big thing that I push in terms of active strategies of growing your business is getting out there and talking about what you do. And very often I run into people who would say, I don't believe I can do that. I don't think I'm good enough to get out there and do that. And it's this Maybe it's a crossover of savior syndrome and imposter syndrome, where you find these moments where something is holding you back. And admittedly, here's a moment years ago where I was working with clients, and it wasn't even a spell where maybe here's one or two people who, for whatever reason, just weren't clicking with the process. And it's a moment where I had to go back to a big binder that I have in my office and read through all the testimonials that people have given me over the years to even simply remind myself, oh yeah, you're good at this. It's okay to acknowledge that. Oh yeah, you've got skill at this. People get results with you. And maybe to float above, take that other perceptual position and acknowledge what is it that was maybe different about that scenario. I tell the story openly. I've got a husband and wife, and I can say this because several of them have fit in this category recently. A husband and wife who came into my office together. I worked with them separately, both of them quitting smoking. And she stopped right away. She was so ready to quit. And she is so completely satisfied. She's already given me several referrals. And he, on the other hand, has cut back dramatically. He hasn't quit. Though really looking at an overview of this process with the two of them, that's kind of where he wanted to be. You know, he sat here in the office and said, I really don't want to quit smoking. I really love it, but I know I need to cut back. And he has done that substantially. He's down from a pack and a half a day to maybe five or six a day. And that's his goal. We can help clients whose goal is not necessarily complete cessation of the goal. So I've worked with people over the years who just wanted to cut back on drinking. You know, how many times have you heard the phrase of, you know, I want to have one and just stop there. And, you know, that category is one that absolutely exists. So if I was sorting through the mindset that if he didn't quit, he was a failure, no, his goal really at its core was to cut back substantially. And we did that. And he's very happy there. And oddly enough, this surprised me, his wife, she's very happy with that as well. So see people where they are, help them to get where they want to be. But what about these random occurrences where maybe someone isn't quite responding? And it's a place where we could start to doubt our validity. And I'd even give you a personal one that here's a moment with the business program that I offer, the training program, where suddenly, and this wasn't even a place of personal challenge. It was a place of, oh, wow, okay, where I was getting ready for a webinar to do another cycle of launching the product. And I just put up a Facebook post in the private group that I run. Hey, share with me some of your feedback. Share with me some of the outcomes. And it was a place where I was, I'll say it, delightfully shocked that I got another two dozen or so testimonials on the product. I mean, even last night, thank you to a former student who actually reached out and sent me a very, very wonderful video testimonial of my training that I wasn't expecting years later. Awesome to see that. Awesome to hear that. So thank you. 
So it's one that imposter syndrome, I think the really best way to overcome it is to just get out there and work, get out there and do work, but specifically solicit testimonials from your clients. Reach out for that feedback from the people that you're working with, whether they're students, whether they're clients, and look at all of this as an asset. Look at all of this as a resource, which is not just for your potential clients coming in and finding out about you. It's also a resource for you. I've probably told the story in another venue before, but it's about this time last year. No, it's about this time. Oh, this is dating back four years ago. Wow. Time flies. And I'm turning right while driving on snow and my car keeps going left. And I knock over the uh, the mailboxes in my townhome parking lot. And I just completely shred the undercarriage of my car. So not only is the car dented, I was going a blazing five miles an hour, but just the right momentum and the car was sliding and I knocked over the mailboxes and did some serious damage to my car. So yay insurance. Uh, deductibles went up, of course, but it's a moment where I had to deal with a body shop. And this body shop was just so brilliant. And it's the type of business you don't want to know by name, but now I know if I ever need service again, I am going back to this place. Dropped the car off, insurance put me in a rental for the next week and a half, and as I pick up the car, their timing was impeccable. Their phrasing was brilliant. Hey, we had some extra paint left over from the touch-ups of the repairs that we did, so we went ahead and touched up some other dings and scratches that were on your car while it was in the shop, at no charge to you. And the car is in the shop right now. We're detailing it and cleaning out the inside and shampooing up some stains on the inside of your car. While you're waiting, would you fill out this testimonial survey? How could you say no to that? <laughs> it was brilliant. And the walls of this body shop were wallpapered with framed surveys, testimonials of people who had been there, which understand and I'll give you a tip on that. Getting testimonials from your clients is not just for you. It's also for them because as they sit down and they write out their success story, it actually further validates the change that they have created. It further strengthens the change that they have achieved. So if you are not getting feedback from your clients, this is something you absolutely want to make use of. And I wasn't planning on this, and now I have to go program a website, which is probably going to make me talk about superhero syndrome a little sooner. I'll make a resource available for you. If you head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash feedback, go there. That's going to redirect you over to this podcast resource page. And I'll make available to you the feedback survey form that I use. It was modeled, to give full credit, it was modeled after something I got from a stage hypnotist by the name of Jeffrey Ronning, but then changed it quite substantially from there. And it's a resource that I give my clients at the end of our last session, which makes it very easy for them to give feedback. You know, for getting testimonials, the easier that you make it, the easier you're going to get it back. And it's how I get feedback from nearly every single client that I work with. And you'll see the exact form that I use. Head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash feedback. That'll make that resource available to you. Which, why do I talk about that inside of imposter syndrome? to track your success, to track your feedback. Now, the obvious statement is, if you're not getting the feedback that you should be getting, rinse and repeat, go back to your original training. 
listen to your clients. Hey, what do you think I could have done to help you out more? And get that feedback and learn from people. That's going to make you an even better practitioner, even better performer as well for the stage hypnotist. I'm trying to remember who it was. There's a stage hypnotist who I heard that I took this advice early on too, that to drive home from your show, listening to music, listening to the radio is about the worst thing that you can do. And what he meant by that was to actually review what you had done. So I took the advice, I put a little tape recorder in my jacket pocket when I was doing shows. And on the drive home, I would listen to the show rather than be caught up in my own mental, let's call it, BS of, wow, I was so entertaining tonight. Wow, they were laughing like crazy. No, I'm going to listen to my program. I'm going to listen to what I was doing and begin to make modifications, make improvements. It's really the value of tracking what you do. So even so, there have been times, even recently, where I have recorded just the audio of sessions that I did with clients and listened to it again on my own. So back to savior syndrome, including imposter syndrome, it's a place where tracking your own results, but also tracking your own process. That's going to help you overcome that even faster. And let's tie it all up with the last point here of superhero syndrome, superhero syndrome, which is a theme that I will tell you I first learned about specifically from a guy by the name of Chris Ducker. And just go to chrisducker.com, D-U-C-K-E-R. And he's a guy whose content I have really tracked. And he's got a book out there that really, I'll say it here, changed my life. A book called Virtual Freedom. And the concept of superhero syndrome specifically refers to this mindset that no one can do it as well as I do. No one is as good as me at what I do. So where does that come into place? Maybe your business is busting at the seams and it's every reason why you don't consider bringing on additional staff. You know, if you're in a place where you can pull that off, maybe that's a potential challenge. I'm not going to hire anybody else because no one is good as this as I am. Oh, I'm not going to bring on someone else because they're going to possibly damage my brand, which there's an interesting survey that was published several years ago that actually pointed out it was making comparisons of major companies and pointing out the more staff that they had, the more successful they became. Even Steve Jobs, when he was alive, up on that platform giving the presentation, would refer back to the designers, the programmers, the people who really designed the stuff that he was the face that was selling. We stand on the shoulders of our people that we're working with, and I'm trying to remember which band it was specifically. I think it's actually Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith talking about looking up to his heroes and talking about, well, every time I'm on stage, I can look over at, I think I'm getting the name right, Joe Perry playing guitar, that I'm looking at this incredible musician that I look at and I look up to. So getting that inspiration from even the people he's sharing the stage with. So superhero syndrome, again, referring to this mindset that no one can do it as well as I can. No one else can do it for me other than me. And there are so often, specifically with this business work that I get out there and I talk about, of hypnotist that the website isn't open yet. It's not ready yet because they're trying to do it all themselves. And let me say it with the language that I love to use. Well, I'll edit it so we can keep the podcast clean. You are a crappy website designer. You are a horrible graphic designer. The majority of my audience, that's going to be true. Some of you are exceptional. So hire someone else to do that stuff. 
you know, how often have you maybe sat in front of some sort of software that you don't know how to use and spent hours trying to figure out how to do it? You know, that's someone else's skill. Hire someone else. So I will actually open up one of my favorite websites right now. It's Upwork. Upwork is an international community of outsourcers. You post a job and people bid on it, upwork.com. And I'll tell you right now, I'm looking at my actual people that I have open contracts with. And here's my video editor. Here's my website designer or website programmer. Here's my website uh, designer. Here's my podcast editor. What up, Marie? You're listening to this. Here's Peggy, my graphic designer. Here's a person I use for SEO work on site and off. And here's another graphic designer. Here's Alex, the guy who did the voiceover for my podcast. Here are so many people. Here's a person that I use for transcription, though actually uh, speechpad.com. That's my favorite website these days for transcription. Here's a person that I've used for other programming. Oh, this is fun. I got permission from someone to reprint something from their book, and I asked them for a PDF or a Word document of it, and he goes, I don't have that anymore. So actually, here's a person that I take a iPhone photo of a page of a book, and he retypes it for me. Yes, I know there's software that does that, but when Raphael does it, it is flawless and I don't have to edit it. You know, using some sort of text recognition service, it's not perfect. When Raphael does it, it's perfect. If you've ever seen me at a convention, you've seen me, I often make use of PowerPoint and I don't do PowerPoint good, to say it politely. I'll do a basic rudimentary design, but then here's Kirsty, she punches it up, she makes it look better. So understand, I don't have these people on staff hourly every single week. The cool thing about Upwork is that I have these people with an open contract that I hire as needed. So Kirsty, I haven't used her since August last year. So, you know, it's perfectly okay. I just reactivate the contract and say, hey, got a new project for you. Alex, the voiceover guy, I used him about a year ago and I'm about to reactivate it again because I'm probably going to use him on another podcast that I do. And here's a guy named Jason who actually, now that I'm looking at it, I'm realizing I need to reach out to him because I think he's going to be a better website programmer for a new project I'm launching. So the more that I duplicate myself, the more successful I become. There are times, and maybe I've said this to you, where someone says, wow, you're everywhere. You really do a lot. And I just smile and say, yeah, it sure looks that way, doesn't it? So it's a way of batching content, but then other people are doing the work for me. Logos, graphic design, this is probably not your skill, so hire someone else. So within superhero syndrome, virtual freedom, these systems, I will openly tell you, I learned from listening to Chris Ducker. I have a virtual assistant as well that I hired. And Josh is listening to this now. Josh does the show notes for the podcast session. Hey, Josh, what up? And he does the first draft. I go through and punch it up. By the way, that term punch up is a really interesting concept that I've mostly heard comedians talk about. Punch up is where they take a script for a movie, perhaps, and they hire a bunch of comedians to sit around a table and read through the script and make it better. And actually, the comedian Patton Oswalt tells a story of doing punch-up, where how it often works, how they make it better, which if you've seen, this is a random reference, if you've seen the movie Shallow Hal, there's a subplot that the character that Jason Alexander plays, the guy from Seinfeld, that he has, and this is kind of weird, he has a tail, he has a small nub, 
And that was something that actually the comedian, Patton Oswalt, added to that script to kind of punch it up and make it better. There's a recent, I listen to podcasts, there's a recent podcast where Matt Besser, where you probably don't know the name, but he is one of the founding members of the improv comedy group Upright Citizens Brigade. You probably know Amy Poehler. That's her legacy as well. And he did punch up on the script for the movie The Revenant, which is a big, massive drama, but there's a scene where the characters are catching snowflakes on their tongue. And Matt Besser added that. That was punch up. And I look at a lot of what I do of, you know, I will often teach a program, have it transcribed, and then I go into that and punch up the text. I have given this piece of advice to several people and they've taken advantage of it because it's a cool strategy. Getting content translated into other languages. And it's stalling because they're trying to get another hypnotist to do the translation. When the truth is, they don't need a hypnotist to do the first draft of the translation. Get just a transcriber to actually do the translation and then have the hypnotist do the edit. So I'm getting into more business outsourcing concepts here, but it's where through superhero syndrome, recognizing that other people can be duplicating things that you do. With my virtual assistant, I make use of a piece of software called Camtasia where I can record screenshots. And when I'm approaching a repetitive task, I actually do it as a training video. I send it off to my assistant and then that becomes something that he does. And he's very good at it. He's excellent. But also what about your process? This is where I am so completely comfortable referring to other hypnotists. Here's a moment actually just this week where someone called me up and yes, I do Skype sessions. Yes, I work remotely, but this man was in his late 80s called me from a landline and didn't have an email address. So immediately I'm going to assume this guy probably isn't a match for me saying Skype session. But I looked up where he lives. He's six hours away and I did a search and I found a hypnotist that is in that area. And while I've never met him, this kind of goes back to some points I've already mentioned. I was able to look at his references, his training on his website and immediately I could see, wow, this is a guy who cares about what he does and is probably quite skilled at what he does. You know, he's gone through NGH, he's gone through HPTI, he's trained with Melissa Tears, he's trained with John Overdurf, and you're probably assuming who it is at this point, but I was able to look and go, okay, I've never met this guy, but I can see he cares about what he does and he has a background that I really was passionate about. So I, I called him up, checked in, sounded legit made the referral, hope they work together. You know, it's where you reaching out to others and that reflects back on you as well. So superhero syndrome, it's that recognition that other people are good at what you do as well. Now, do you have your own specific style? Are there things that maybe are your expertise? Yes, absolutely. Though that ability to, let's call it share the wealth, share the load, share the activities, so I'd encourage some thinking on this one, a little bit more personal, a little bit more laid back of a style of a session here with you today on the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast. So the savior syndrome, looking at it from the perspective of you have a right and a responsibility to be more successful. Then from their imposter syndrome, and I'll tell you now the best strategy for that is track your progress, track your success, and at times review your feedback, but also review your critiques as well listen when people have things to say. And superhero syndrome, you can't do it all yourself. 
and learn how to do it all yourself by spreading it around. I would openly tell you, specifically with that last point, it's too easy for people to say, I can't afford to do that. And I would tell you right now, you can't afford to not do that. So do you have to hire a full-time person as I've done? No. Here's several of my students have met Peggy. I actually share Peggy with a lot of other people. She's a graphic designer. My business people have often been told, hey, hire Peggy. She's good. And even specific tasks, yeah, she just knows how to do this. You know, you see my Facebook ads, Peggy designs those. And I like her and I share her around because she's awesome. So, you know, things such as that, that's time that I get to spend working on my business rather than trying to learn software. There are specific things that I have goals of doing in the next couple of months that I'm able to recognize I maybe should not be the one doing that. I should have basic knowledge around it. Now, I enjoy learning software. I'm a tech guy. I enjoy learning different pieces of information. And I'm looking at expanding into some other social media streams beyond Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, you're going to see me periscoping in the next couple of weeks as well. So it's the thing that by learning some of the nuts and bolts of it, I can actually communicate with an outsourcer better. So a basic level of skill, yes, that's going to be helpful. But know when to, Kenny Rogers is right, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. So I'd love for you to do this. I want to hear your feedback on this session. What challenges are you facing? What other content maybe like this would you find helpful? What insights did you find beneficial? And specifically, I want to hear what action steps are you taking to grow in your own business, to grow in your profession, and even better, to grow as an individual as well. Share your feedback. You can either head over to worksmarthypnosis.com to head over to the show notes for this and leave a comment on that page or leave a comment over on the Facebook page for Work Smart Hypnosis as well. Jason Lenad here. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Hey, it's Jason Lynette with one last quick thing. It's a classic quote that most often is attributed to Tony Robbins, the phrase that success leaves clues. And as you're looking at training, as you're looking at something that's going to help you to grow, whether it's as a practitioner, as a performer, or even within your business, you want to make sure that the person that you're training with has the feedback that other people have achieved success as well. It's a fair statement that there's a lot of trainings that are out there that are very much, wow, look what I've done, look what I've achieved. And I think it's very important, and I feel it's very important. No, I'll say it. I know it's very important that the person that you train with should have other people with their own successes as well, and more specifically, highlighting their successes as well. And that's a big component of what's coming up in August 2016, hypnoticbusinessmastery.com. It's a two-day pre-convention offering that I'm doing prior to the HypnoThoughts Live convention. And I encourage you to head over to hypnoticbusinessmastery.com because it primarily features not just my success, but also the success of people who have made use of my trainings, my teaching, my systems up until this point as well. So consider as you're looking at any kind of training in any market, if the training is all focused on, wow, look what I've done, you can do this too. That's good. It's good to model success. But what's more important is to see that other people have integrated that information as well, that other people have benefited, other people have replicated success as well. So 
the training should not be all the students sitting around the floor pointing at the master. It should be a shared conversation of, wow, look what we all have achieved. And that's a big point behind Hypnotic Business Mastery, a two-day pre-convention offering. Look forward to seeing you there, Las Vegas. You know, they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but that's not the case on this one. Because what happens in Vegas will continue to snowball and grow and expand your business, your outcomes for many years to come. I'll see you there. Thanks for listening.